You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. Hi, this is Greg Stokes and Doug Stokes with Lanyap Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a special guest on today, Santiago Solanet. Santiago is going to talk to us about Argentina, the history of Argentina, his experience living there and operating in a business format. Santi, can you give us a little bit of background on Argentina and what it's like to live there? Living in Argentina is uh, one of the most crazy things and best things you can experience in your life. It's the culture in Argentina, it's all around the family, friends, uh, having a good life. Also, very nice places like Bariloche, Mendoza, there's a lot of good tourism. And you have beaches, you have mountains. And well, as I said, the most important things here for us is family and friends. And work in Argentina, it's, I think, the most crazy thing and also very difficult because. As you know, it's, uh, we have always some economic problems and recessions and inflation, high inflation uh, that affects not also for working, also for the day-to-day. Uh, so, well, it's, at some point, it's like you have to survive. Also, on the other hand, you, you enjoy other things. But, well, that's, I think, a quick story of Argentina. Where do you live in Argentina? I live in Buenos Aires. Tell me about Buenos Aires. Well, Buenos Aires is a very big city, huge city, and it's mixed. You have the high class in that city, and two blocks away you have the middle class, and then some blocks away you have low class. So it's very mixed. You have it's interesting, and also it's a pity because where you have the city, uh, Recoleta, it's called, or Retiro, that is where the high-class live. You can see the village or the city, Misha Trentino, it's called, uh, where you have the well, poor people living there. So it's a sad contrast you have there. It reflects most of the problems we have in Argentina. So, From an economic perspective, what is the main driver of the Argentinian economy? If you live in Argentina and you speak about economy, you always speak about inflation, you speak about the dollar, uh, you speak about uh, the recession, you speak about your salary. That are the topics we have right now and we had over the last few years. So we also talk about politics that affect the, the economics also. Yeah, we are concerned about inflation right now. We have 50% of inflation annually. That's a lot so we have to live with that. And that is a huge problem. And it's a bigger problem for poor people and middle class. So it's my understanding that for American tourists that visit Buenos Aires, that they're constantly solicited for dollars. Can you explain to me, like on the black market, you can exchange dollars. Can you explain to me like how the blue dollar operates versus like the official exchange rate and how that it impacts day-to-day life? Yeah, well, as you know, in Argentina right now, uh, we have something that is called CEPO. This CEPO thing is that you cannot buy dollars uh, officially in the bank. 
well, you can buy, but only $200 and you have a restriction if you buy that the official dollar as well, it's a problem. So, so people go to buy uh, the illegal dollar that is called dollar blue. And there are also other dollars in the financial markets called dollar MEP or dollar CCL. Well, we have a lot of type of dollar in Argentina that uh, what people mostly buy is dollar blue and dollar MEP that is around 200, 210 right now. And you have the official dollar that you can buy in the banks that is in 180 right now. Yes. But you can buy only $200. And so in the practice, all people are going to buy the dollar blue or that illegal dollar that is 200 Is the incentive for people that get paid in Argentinian pesos to convert those pesos to dollars immediately to make sure that they hold some value, essentially? Yeah, because you have high inflation. Remember, you have an inflation every month of 3 4%. Nobody wants to have pesos uh, for one, two months. So what you do instantly is to buy dollars. Also, because every month the dollar is higher. It has some months that it's quite steady, but day after day it goes three, four, or five percent up. So you never know. So uh, all the people uh, here buy dollars, mostly the middle class and the high class. We are talking about. So I think it's just interesting that the the narrative in the United States related to U.S. fiscal and monetary policy has been on one side of sort of the extreme argument is that we're entering a hyperinflationary environment. And for somebody that's currently living in a hyperinflationary environment, can you just talk about the, I mean, the impact of inflation on daily life, on financial markets, on politics? Yeah, one of the impacts in the day-to-day is that you never know the value of something because you go to buy to the supermarket, I don't know, a piece of meat, and one day is, you know, 200 pesos, and the other day is 210, and the other day is 230. So you never learn the prices of each goods, and so, so you are constantly, you don't know, I don't know, tomorrow it is higher and higher and and last day was 200 and and this thing i don't know the price right now so you don't have steady prices and you don't know how the value of the thing so that's one of the problems you have also problem is that every month pass your salary you can buy less goods than the previous month so we here in argentina every six months we have like a compensation we we actualize the the salary, but you're always running uh, back the inflation. So that's a problem. When you measure the salary in dollars, it's getting low every month. So that's what's... What do people do to try to preserve the value of their assets? We mentioned buy dollars, but what else do people do? What holds its value? Many people buy properties, uh, houses, apartments. Uh, they feel like it's safer and it's a good investment. Sometimes not. In Argentina, nothing is safe. So if you measure the value of the properties in Argentina in the last five years, it went down. Uh, so it, it wasn't so safe. But at least you are in dollars. You are not in pesos. The real estate's done in dollars. Yeah. Yeah. In Argentina here, the real estate is all in dollars. If you want to buy a, a house or a property or whatever you want, it's in dollars in cash. So 
that's how it works here. And they also, well, many people buy stocks, buy bonds, all in dollars. But we, there we are getting more risky investments and more complex that need a more analysis. Mostly people I know buy dollars and that's it. What about cryptocurrency? Yeah, well, some people are getting there, mostly the young people. And my friends, many of my friends are getting cryptos, but they didn't buy all their safes in cryptos. They just a little, and the other, mostly of their safes is in dollars. So savings are in dollars. So, so we talked a little bit about like the inflationary aspect of living in Argentina. And then also we talked about like how beautiful of a place it is. What's it like to do business in Argentina? Yeah. Doing business in Argentina, you have to, it's crazy. It's fun in certain times, but it's also, it makes you think in what problems you have in that business rather to make business really. So difference here in the United States, you are not thinking about inflation. Now we are having inflation of 7% annual, but I don't think it's a huge problem like Argentina. You don't think in so much in politics. You don't think so much in a recession. You do your work. You can transfer to every country uh, the money you want. Uh, your clients can transfer you money to your account whenever you want, uh, the money you want. Uh, you don't have any problems to do whatever you want. You have freedom to do what you want. And uh, In Argentina, it's always a problem. Bureaucracy is very... It's, heavy and also the political problems, the SEPO, it's a huge problem for companies and for business. Uh, in the financial markets, we have a lot of uh, regulations to operate. So you keep thinking on those problems and you can't think in the real business you have. And that's, it's a thing that is not good for doing business in Argentina. So can you just walk through the political history of Argentina that led to sort of the environment, recessionary, inflationary environment that you're in now? How do you get to this particular point in time? And I'm sure it takes, well, I guess in Venezuela's case, it didn't take as quick of a, a time to, I mean, as long as a time to turn into this particular issue. But what happened with Argentina? Well, if we go a long time ago in the 40s, before the 40s, Argentina was a very good country with strong economics and a high GDP and strong production and people were rich here. Then it came Perón and there was a change in the constitution that was liberal and it changed to a new constitution that was more socialist. And there it's where all started the problems. And well, since then, we have recessions, political problems, well, whatever you want, wars, <laughs> like Malvinas later. That was the war with the UK and Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but we had a lot of things there, and what we didn't have is growth. So then it came, well, in the modern history, the problems we have right now started with in the 2000s, with when the Rua all this problem, well, he quits and it became Dualde and Kirchner, Nestor Kirchner. And that where it started the Kirchnerism we have right now. Nestor Kirchner was lucky. He had high prices of soybean and he can manage, let's say, an acceptable 
uh, governments uh, in the economics. If you see the, the budget, the, the superiority has. But in terms of opportunity, he he let pass a very big opportunity for Argentina because we have soybean prices very high and we could make a lot of money out of that, but he spent it in yes, in subsidies, social spending and all of that. And then it, when the soybean prices go low, the problem began. Again, uh, Cristina, well, the, we have the crisis then in 2014 and 15. Uh, the numbers there were very bad, very high deficit, high inflation, and poor people very high, uh, poverty very high. And then it came Macri, where expectations were very high. And, well, he has two good years. And then in 2018, the problem started. And that's when the Fed started to to hike the rates. Also, we have a, we call here a sequia. I don't know how to say in English. But it didn't rain, how it's said. Oh, drought. A drought, yeah, a drought. We had a drought here in Argentina. Well, a mix of things that it's a mix of bad luck, but also bad management. Because I think uh, Macri and his team should think about this. It's, it's a risk that could happen every year. So you have to be prepared for that. And Macri was, wasn't prepared for that. So, well, then came inflation again, high dollar again, dollar going up, crisis, political problems. And then the Kirchnerism appears again. And they win the elections in 2019. And that's when the market in Argentina finally crashed. Uh, well, that was a very crazy day, I remember, when Alberto Fernandez wins the, the PASO elections in August. Some stocks in Argentina went 50% lower. The index of in Argentina one day. in one day, one day, oh, overnight. Oh my God. The index of Argentina, Maraval, went... 30% lower from one day to another. I remember we, I came to, I was financial advisor that day. And I came to the office and the faces were so sad. And we are thinking what we are going to do when the market's open and we have all this problem and our clients and, and all the people that were investing in Argentina with their savings uh, 40, 50, 30% lower. So it was Crazy! I have never seen anything like that. I'm mostly a of the people I worked uh, with more years than me. The market have never seen anything like that. So that's a day I will never forget. Honestly, yeah, I can only imagine. And then of that election, things were started to stay more steady, and we think, well, we're going to start over, and Alberto will be more moderate. And then it came the pandemic, the COVID, and we fall again. Well, economic numbers get worse. Well, we are here right now. We have still well, with the IMF, we still negotiating some things. We are talking about an agreement, but we, we don't reach an agreement yet. We, we still have to wait for the Congress to, to pass the bill. And, and here we are. We still... It seems like it's almost like a spiral out of control to a point where what does it take to really turn around an economy? I guess if you knew this, you wouldn't be in the position you're in. But I mean, how do you turn around a 50% year over year inflation number to something more modest? How do you re enter capital markets globally with that sort of issue that you have? 
In my opinion, we need a change in the government, a change of power, because with this government, if you don't have trust or confidence or credibility in the government right now, you're not going to solve anything. Because, well, imagine Alberto and Cristina came and say, well, we are going to change the economic plan and we are going to have lower taxes and and we are going to cap the public spending. But the market, they don't believe in that. They don't trust in them. So anything they could say, it would make no sense or it will not be useful and will not make a real effect on the market. So first, we need a change in the government, in the power. Then if we have that change, maybe in the next elections in, in 2023, well, that new government has to be very clear from the first day and make the right things from the first day, cut the public spending, lower taxes, and a very good economic plan. It has to have credibility, has to convince the market, and that's the, the way we have to go out. It seems like this is something that's really caught a hold in not just Argentina, but all of Latin and South America. Do you attribute this this sort of wave of this particular economic policy and social policy as, as unique to Argentina? Or if it's not, why do you think Latin America has gotten a hold yeah, of more no. socialist type policies? Yeah, it's not only from Argentina. I think in Argentina it's more severe, but it's not only in Argentina. In Brazil, we have maybe the same problem. Now in Chile, we have socialism again, but Chile have made a really good work in the last years, the last decade. The results are, the numbers of Chile are very good. If you go to Chile, to the city, there's a huge difference with Buenos Aires. You see it in the street, you know, the salaries are very good also. So, well, in Brazil and, well, in Venezuela, it's worse than Argentina, you know. Venezuela is a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And... Ecuador, now it's better, Colombia, they, they are all like kind of socialism, but yeah, I think in Argentina and in Venezuela, it's, it's worse. And in Argentina here, we have Peronism, uh, that is very strong ideology, very strong. And I don't know if you have that in other countries. Do you think that I followed the Argentinian midterm elections? And it seemed like, so for people that don't follow Argentina and Argentinian politics, they had a very similar, like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, was dining indoors during the height of the pandemic. Argentina had one of those moments, but on steroids, essentially, when Alberto Fernandez was pictured with like 20 people uh, indoors during like the most harsh lockdown. And the lockdowns in Argentina, the COVID restrictions are very harsh. And I was surprised from an outsider's perspective, and that happened right when the Argentinian midterms were taking place. I was surprised when, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the the Frente de Todos is the party that he's in charge of. Yeah. I was surprised that they did so well in the midterms, even despite all of that and all the bad news that took place during the lockdowns. How do you think things are going to look from the 2023 perspective? How does the general populace feel about how the party in charge is doing. Yeah. Well, the first thing you need to know is that Frente de Todos is a a party that is composed by with two sub-parties. You have the Kirchnerism and the Peronism. And this time, uh, in 2019, the last elections, they went together with Frente de Todos. 
last elections, Frente de Todos made the worst, the Peronism, that is Peronism, the traditional Peronism and the Kirchnerism, that is part of the Peronism, made the worst election ever uh, together. And if you see, yeah, if you see they made 35%, I don't remember so much, 34 well, it's a good election, but if you measure with the past election, elections of the last 10 years uh, of the Peronism and the Kirchnerism together, they always get above 40% or 50%. So it was the worst election ever for the Peronism together, all together. And, well, that's a reflection of what it happened with the, that photograph of Alberto Fernandez, but also with the economy and also with the the very hard restrictions on the quarantines and all of that. So, well, I think it, it had effect on that, on the elections. So do you think there's hope for change in 2023? I think there's hope for change. And because the numbers, the next two years, they're going to be very hard. The government has no money right now. And they made an agreement with the IMF. They're going to cut the spending a little bit. They don't have money to give to the people. When they have money, they give it to the people and they like buy the votes. And I think this time is uh, they were they're going to to do it, but uh, less. They have less money and, and well, also the economics are good. So in terms of a movement for limited government. Reduce spending, reduce taxes, and from an election perspective, what percentage of the electorate, the Argentinian elector base, is aligned with that sort of philosophy? From like judging from previous elections, I mean, is that something that's a long shot, or is it actual an actual potential change that could occur? It's a potential change, but it's happening. In the last years, I think the last two years, we had a new new politicians uh, from the liberal model, like Milley and Edward, I don't know if you know them, that they made that change in the mind of the people, mostly the younger people, that view of lower taxes and lower public spending, less government intervention, uh, more freedom. And many people are thinking like that. And, well, that's good. That's great. And for example, the party of Junto por el Cambio Cambiemos, that is more in the center, uh, is right center. Well, they are getting more <laughs> in that view because they see the people want that. So I think this cultural change is happening right now. I think it's a good sign up for, for the next elections. So what does the government do to like basically buy votes from people? Well, they are... A lot of plans that if you have, you know, one child, I gave you this money. If you have another child, I give you this money. If you go to, also there are a lot of social movements that that go to the street and protest and all of that. And somehow they get the money, these movements from the government because the government gave the money to stay quiet. But the Often go, often go, and they get money. Uh, there are a lot of ways they get the money. Are there price freezes? Like around election time, does the government freeze prices on goods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Price freezing is... Well, we, we are having uh, freezing prices a lot right now. 
But that's always. Mm. It doesn't matter if you have elections or not. When we have high inflation, this government uh, do that. Let's say you're finishing your education and you're coming into the workforce. Are people staying in Argentina or are people seeking employment elsewhere? Are you trying to go into the United States or where people go? Right now, uh, a lot of uh, young people that ha- that finish their studies uh, go to work to Europe, to the States if they can. Mostly in Europe because it's easier to go to work. Mostly not, but many people here in Argentina have the Italian passport or the Spain passport or any other European passport, and they can get to work there. Uh, in the U.S., it's, it's uh, more difficult to gain. But yes, many people there are going outside because here the salaries are, to put it in real terms, you have a young guy that he finished the, the university and started to work, his first work, his salary maybe $500, yeah. Per month or per week or what? Month. One month, wow. Yeah, okay. it's nothing. Right, how do you even survive on that? No, well, here in Argentina, you can survive maybe because the prices are very low, but if you live alone and you have to, to rent an apartment, with that salary, you're in trouble. But I don't know, the people I know, most of the young people, the first two years they work, they live with, with their parents or maybe have some help, financial help of their family. So that if you live alone and you depend on you with that salary, you, you're in trouble. You have to go. If you can go mm-hmm. from Argentina, you have to go and you can have a, a good work in the Europe or the US and, and you can live alone and you can save and you can live well. It's another thing. Just hearing the story, it's absolutely devastating to hear and to, you know, what can happen when a hyperinflationary scenario really takes hold that it yeah. has such drastic impacts, not really even on the ability to spend, but also the educated population leaves. There's no investment in the country. The population growth probably slows, I would guess, just because you can't afford to have a family, can't afford to raise a family. Yeah, well, in depending on the, the, the social class, in the middle class and the high class, that might happen that you have less child because you, you can maintain them. But in the lower classes, that they don't think that they have children and they don't, they don't care, they, they don't have education, so they didn't know how to control that. So they have, you know, they, they keep having children and they can maintain them, but never mind. They, they have plans, they have, the government gives money, so that's part of the problem also, you know. Right. So, and I also think this is fascinating from a historical standpoint because Argentina is one of those special countries that is so naturally rich. From an agricultural standpoint, you produce a tremendous amount of wine and soybeans and wheat, et cetera. And the the cattle there are, they have some of the highest cattle numbers in the world. Yeah. And then also from a, just a natural resources standpoint, like with oil and gas and then the amount of coastline that's there. And so Argentina was really a very rich country in the early part of the 1900s. And I think it's really interesting to see kind of how things can change with such a naturally rich and beautiful place to where things are now. And I also find it fascinating from the standpoint of because there has been so many defaults in the history of Argentina and from a historical standpoint and more recent times, 
and the fact that the Argentinian government has nationalized various companies like the state oil company, YPF. I find it super interesting from an investment standpoint how seemingly inexpensive some of these really high quality companies are and very fast growing companies. So we were talking about this before the call, but you have companies that are growing at a rapid clip that are trading at like one times earnings. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you give me some examples when you talked before, like well, Vista, Loma Negra, Corporation America, uh, but that's other case, Central Puerto. Well, yeah. Central Puerto is, well, their earnings are, aren't so good. Uh, they have financial problems, uh, but yeah, I think there is a bigger opportunity also, but, but we have uh, more with high quality companies with growing earnings and they are operating in discount right now because of the Argentinian risk, like Vista, Domaneira, uh, or Pampa Energia is also, we, we mm-hmm. can talk about Pampa. Well, there are a lot, but, but some companies, in, but most of the companies in Argentina, they have uh, big financial problems. And, well, we see the earnings that were crashed if we compare to 2017 or 2016. So, yeah, I think there are good opportunities in Argentinian equities. We have to be very picky because there are companies that had huge problems. They are too risky. Although they seem very cheap, if we see a change in the government in the next two years, it will be, I don't know, a very, very good investment. But in terms of risk return, I think Vista is a good example. Pampa Energia is a good example. Loma Negra is a good example. Uh, they have good earnings. They're having good operations. They're doing very well. And they don't have... To, bigger financial issues. And yeah, I think the time, this is the time to pick those companies in Argentina. If you, if we, we have a change in the next two years, they're also going to be, to perform very well. Right. I find it fascinating how you have companies that are trading at like one times earnings or two times earnings. Yeah. And their American counterparts are trading at 20 times earnings or 30 times earnings. So, but you're right. It's just... You know, it reminds me of you know, what was occurring in Russia in the early 1990s when they were coming off of a basically a socialist regime that switched to, or a communist, really a communist regime for them that switched to more capitalists. And there was, I don't know if you've read the book by Bill Browder called Red Notice, but what he was doing with his hedge fund in Russia was basically finding these gems of companies that were trading at one times earnings or similar and just riding the wave of capitalism and the government change to his fund did extraordinarily well during that particular period. But it's there's obviously the political risk associated yeah. with it. It's a reason why the companies are trading at that sort of level. But it definitely is inter- an interesting parallel between Russia and, and what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a very good example. That's what's happening. It's also happening in Argentina in 2015. When Cristina Fernandez, Cristina Kirchner was the president, and then it came Macri, that change of government and very good expectations for investors have in Argentina made the stocks go, I don't know, fifty percent in the next year, and then they keep going up, going up, going up until 2017, 18. Well, that 
it's I think it's the same first part of the movie we are seeing from that because that the first part is stocks crashed and valuations very low and low expectations. Now we are going to see if we have that second part of the movie when we have a change in the government and uh, came another better government with more uh, credibility and well, if that happens, the stocks will go up surely. Uh, they have a lot of room to go up from the max maximum levels of 218. They are some stocks are 90% lower than the big. So yeah, there are huge opportunities. Yeah, but the risk is very high. What do companies in terms of combating inflation from? Because the investments that we're making from our side are obviously priced in dollars, and from an earnings perspective, that's you know multiple of earnings that are from our perspective that are translated to dollars. What are companies actually doing with earnings from a, either reinvestment or distribution? We, we talked about one that's trading at one times earnings. I think that's Vista that you mentioned. But what does a company like Vista do with cash flow? Well, Vista, what it's do with cash flow? They reinvest the company, the operations right now. Now they are thinking to make distribution distribution to the shareholders or to make stock repurchasing. So, well, mm-hmm. but they always been doing that reinvestment in, in the operations, in the, the company. But yes, the other Argentinian stocks right now, they're doing the same. They are reinvesting the company or maybe they are repurchasing stocks, their own stocks, uh, like Bamba, like Loma Negra. They're doing that to, well, they see the, the valuation very low and they think there is a good opportunity in their own stock and they want to have more of their own stock. And uh, well, <laughs> they buy. Right. Are those earnings typically in pesos or are they in US dollars or multiple currencies? How does that? In pesos. In pesos, but they measure in dollars and and the investors here, when you buy an Argentinian stock, maybe you buy it in pesos here in the the local market, but but you measure it in dollars. Okay. I saw that like in Vista's example, because the environment is so difficult for multinational corporations to operate in Argentina, there's been like a fire sale of assets for other companies. Like for example, ConocoPhillips exited and sold a big concession to Bista. And there's another German company I saw also sold their, and it seemed like it was like pennies on the dollar just because they wanted to get out. But I guess it just is another example of like, if there is the potential for political change, which it sounds like there may be, then there's a lot of runway essentially for, from an investment perspective. Yeah. Well, Bista... They know very well Argentina because all the the partners are from here. And, well, they see that many offshore companies, uh, they are selling their, their concessions here, like Amorta. So, so they take that opportunity and they buy concessions at very good prices. And that adds value to the company, adds value to the stock. So mm-hmm. that are good news. On the other hand, you, you say that that changed the government would add a lot of value to to the companies here and yes yes because we will have if that if we have that case we will have investors from 
from the U.S. or from all the world that come here in Argentina and say, well, uh, you pay, I don't know, $10 million for that concession. Now I pay you $20 million because you will have more productivity, because we have another government, because you will not have Barrio Crioso mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And yeah. That's the fixed barrel of oil price. Yes. Right? The asset value of, of Vista, in this case, in this example, will be higher. And that adds more value to the company. So, so you mentioned Barrel Criollo, which is like the in Argentina, you, they set the barrel, like the, it's $90 for a barrel of oil right now in, in the open market. But in Argentina, it's $65. So that's an example of it's difficult to operate for these businesses because they are subject to the, the whims of the regulations and bureaucracy in Argentina. So I think this discussion has been so fascinating. I'm very much enamored with Latin America, and I, I personally am trying to learn the language, and I want to explore all of Argentina. So, But I want to change the subject from what we've been talking about, which is the sort of economic side of the equation. Tell me about what it's like to – you mentioned the people and the culture. Tell me about like cuisine and what are your favorite parts about Buenos Aires and dining there and travel in Argentina. Tell me all about that. I can explain my week in Argentina from Monday to, to Friday. I work, but some nights after working, I I catch up with my friends and well, my family also every day. We go to drink somewhere or we uh, go together to eat. In the weekends, uh, we also get together with my friends and get to with my bigger family, with my cousins and my uncles and. And this is very normal, very common in Argentina to, to get all the family, the big family together, including the, the well, the grandfather, the grandparents and uncles and cousins. And well, our friends, we, we hang out together, we play soccer or we play rugby or other sport you want. We are always together with friends and family and making that. So that's a normal life of an Argentina. You will never be alone. What kind of food and wine take are, are part of this? Food? Well, every weekend uh, we eat well, what is called there the barbecue here. We call it asado. It's meat in, in the barbecue. It's, it's pretty easy, but it's, it's delicious. If you do it well, it's delicious. And it's the most common food here in Argentina. Well, no. Yes, I think... The rest of the food is like other places. It's not so different. Like in U.S., you have always sushi you have here. Uh, in Buenos Aires, you have sushi. It's very common right now. Pizza, pasta. Well, that's that's very common. But the, what about the wine? The wine? Well, very good wines from Mendoza and Salta. They're the two places where the wine is made. Yeah, we... <laughs> Every asado, every barbecue, we we drink wine also. Yeah, it's very common to wine. And people like a lot. When's the best time to visit? The best time to visit Argentina, I think, is in spring. In October, November, there is not too hot. And you can visit the city and you don't have the sun here very hot. You can also go to the beach. But the beaches, uh, I don't like too much the beaches here in Argentina. They are, they are good, they are fine, but uh, the beaches in Brazil are much more better. You you can go to Pata 
Patagonia for Yuja Pariloche. I think it's the most beautiful place in Argentina. That's They call that the Aspen of South America, right? Yes, it's like the Aspen or maybe the French Alps or the Swiss Alps. It has many comparisons. It's beautiful. Mountains, snow, uh, lakes, uh, huge lakes. Uh, you can do trekking, hiking, climb a mountain. You can fish. You can swim in the lake. <laughs> You can ski in winter. I think it's the best place in Argentina. Mendoza also is beautiful, beautiful city. has uh, the bigger mountains in Argentina. It's very nice. You have there. You have the real wine. There's where the wine is made here in Argentina, so it has a lot of tourism. The north of Argentina is also pretty nice. Uh, you have Salta. You have also mountains and and has a cultural. So Doug has been to Buenos Aires before, and one of his comments was that, and this is part of the conversation that we had about inflation and the value of the peso being devalued all the time. But like, what does it cost nowadays if you were to go to like the, your favorite nice restaurant in Buenos Aires to have eat whatever you want to order and bottle of wine? What does that cost nowadays? If you were paying cash. Maybe... per person. Right. It's a very good restaurant and you you eat very well. You drink wine. You you can eat an expensive dinner. That's a a fair price, I think, for Argentina. $25. Yeah, we're coming up on time, but I think that that's the incentive right there to visit is basically it's, it's an absolutely gorgeous country. And once you're there, it's one of the most inexpensive places to live in luxury for the time that you're visiting. So Yeah, 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 of course. Santiago, thank you so much for joining us today. And this has been a really interesting viewpoint. Not a whole lot of people that are going to be listening to this have any familiarity with Argentina. So it's really great to get an insight from you. And I think it's also just interesting to, you know, a lot of people have discussions in the United States, especially on the crypto community around hyperinflationary environment that, and potential for the U.S. to enter that. And I think hearing from somebody that's actually experiencing that currently, and it's probably laughable to look at the U.S. and say that you know people here think that we're entering in a hyperinflationary environment. But it's really good to see what happens when you have you know, poor political and economic decisions from a government and and how do you really turn that around and it's good to have your insight on that oh thank you it was very interesting to chat with you thank you Santi thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap this podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office and produced by Reverb if you liked this episode consider sharing it with a friend You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, 
Consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.